Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I give a rat's ass about Twitter. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Have a couple of players we are going to get into on the podcast today. Kyle, I almost said welcome to the Locked On Apollos podcast, but I opted against it. Well, we'll... Um... We'll debut that show next week, I guess. Yeah. So now that you've let the cat out of the bag, that this is going to happen. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> Somebody suggested not, it on I'm, Twitter. But. I'm not going to say anything else, and you guys can decide for your, yourselves whether or not that's actually fact or not. Oh, man. Scientists don't even know they if don't. Locked On Apollos is coming. Well, there's only nine more games left in the regular season, but I sense the championship run coming. Uh, you feel it? I do. Feels I, good. Feels good to be on board. Uh, Steve Spurrier against defenses that can only send five is pretty damn good. So um, we'll see. I enjoy. I enjoyed the AAF over the weekend, Kyle. I don't know if you did. But no, I there's did. a good. There was an entertainment value there that was centered around more than just, oh my god, the quarterbacks suck. Well, yeah, there's like six good quarterbacks in the world. So <laughs> weird how like the 75th through 80th options are all bad, right? Like who would have possibly guessed? Um, I appreciated the different presentation and approach of the games, right? It's like there's no uh, television timeout, touchdown, official review that goes to television timeout, come back and kick the extra point, and then go to another commercial so that you can come back and kick off and then have another breaking commercial. The game felt fast. It felt loose. Didn't feel like they really bogged the game down with a lot of egregious penalties, like the same things we've been complaining about for three years or now with the NFL. So I thought there were a lot of redeeming qualities. And yeah, I mean, it's it's the first year of a league with guys who, for whatever reason, didn't make the NFL. So if you're expecting the absolute best of the best you're going to be sorely disappointed but i'm not sure how many people other than just debbie downers came away from from the this first week thinking that yeah and i like that it seems to be in very close connection with the nfl and treating it as a true developmental league and they're not trying to compete with the nfl but kind of supplement it and uh, i think it's a a really good thing and um uh i do like i did like the the feel of watching the game i thought it did go well and look Talk, talk about bad quarterback play. Couldn't be Garrett Gilbert, my quarterback. Couldn't be Luis Perez. Look Whoa. good. In, oh, our quarterback, Garrett Gilbert. Come our on quarter, now. Our quarterback. I feel like your enthusiasm is not there yet, though. 
Uh, you know why? Because I couldn't watch the game. Oh, really? I had, was... I had the other game on TV. Oh, really? You got shafted? Yeah, That's... I got the shaft. Oh, no. Yeah, no. I, I should have having... checked the Reddit streams for the Apollo stream, <laughs> but I uh, didn't get that far into it. So I was oh. just like, ah, oh, whatever. I'll watch right. the uh, the other game. Fair enough, Kyle. Well, we're going to get into a couple players here today, starting off with Devin Bush Jr., linebacker from Michigan. Kyle, you want to set the tone here? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Devin Bush. Uh, Devin Bush was a player who was in my uh, assigned conference at the beginning of the year. Each one of the guys here at the Draft Network kind of divvied up the Power Five conferences, and I was in control of the Big Ten, and I watched Devin Bush as a a sophomore from 2017. And, you know, you liked him. You could tell he was really athletic and moved good on the hoof. And the guy had 95 tackles and 10 tackles for loss. And uh, the the speed was really apparent. But I had some concerns with Devin Bush coming into the 2018 college season. And those concerns, I thought he did a really great job of alleviating. Uh, Devin Bush, I had questions about how reliable he would be when he's forced to address contact. And I didn't always feel as though he made proper reads on the second level to locate the football, kind of slow with his processor. Thought he was better at both of those things. He still likes to do flat-footed reads, which I don't have a problem with, uh, because if you watch Devin Bush, you'll see pretty quickly and early on He's got a really, really explosive first step. So he is one of those linebackers that can afford to wait out the mesh point and allow the football to declare itself, whether it's in the ball uh, or the hands of the ball carrier as a running back or a quarterback coming between the tackles or working to the boundary because that first step is so explosive. He enables himself to work back into plays and continue to beat angles from offensive linemen. Now at the next level, Will he have that same level of success? Not necessarily. But if you get a really stout defensive line in front of him, I think that's where you can really see Devin Bush shine, Joe. Yeah, and, and one other thing that I like about Devin Bush, in addition to what you said there, is I think he's got really good zone coverage skills. Um, I I thought he was very confident reading the backfield, working in the throwing lanes, feeling routes to his areas, understanding spacing, I thought there was a lot of confidence in the way he did that. And so we're talking about today's NFL where these linebackers really need to be outstanding at, at coverage or else they will be exploited by these quarterbacks and the spacing and pace of, of today's game. I, I really liked how Devin Bush handled himself in zone coverage. Now, I thought there were some instances where he was tasked with carrying a tight end down the seam or running with a running back uh, you know, up the field on a wheel or something like that where – didn't necessarily love him in man, but for, from a zone coverage perspective, I thought he was really, really clean. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess my question for you, Joe, is when you think about Devin Bush, can you think of any personnel groupings in front sevens across the league that you feel like you'd like to see him fit in with? Any that come in off the top of your head or have you thought of previously? Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, 
Do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Well, um, no, I've not, I've not thought about him like that. Um, other than I do think if you want to get a starting linebacker from this year's crop, this is one of your two or three chances to get that done. Um, and I think he's, I think he could play any three of the linebacker spots. I really don't have much concern there. Um, I, I did like wanna, him best. Uh, probably Mike. Probably is a Mike. Um, Can you elaborate as to why for folks that may not understand the value of the different positions? I well, first of all, I think he can he can play downhill and he he reads inside run really well, which is important at Mike. But also, like I think he's good enough to disengage from blocks and taking blocks head on a lot better than a lot of times. than he does laterally. So kind of keep him in those tight quarters, but then still gives him the chance to get outside the tackles and make plays out to the numbers, which he did a lot in college as well. Were you going to say something else before I cut you off? I was going to mention that some of my concerns with him, but if we want to continue to talk strengths and fit, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, I think, you know, he's kind of, kind of has a funky build. He's a, he's a squattier guy. He's listed at like 5'11", 222, and he he doesn't have great length. And not necessarily that that's a huge issue uh, at at an off-ball linebacker position, but there are instances where I do think it works against him when playing off contact and tackling kind of has a limited radius for for being, you know, just being able to cover a lot of ground in terms of his margin for error when he's squaring up guys just because he doesn't have a whole lot of length. So those are the two things, or that one thing really, that lack of length are the two areas where I think it – it hurts him where I thought it did show up on tape. So where do you reconcile that lack of length versus what you had said in scheme fit, where you like him better in tight quarters trying to stuff up blockers? Um. Well, I mean, he, they're going to be able to get into him a little bit. I, he's really stout. I mean, almost his, his lack of height, that natural built-in leverage helps him a little bit there to kind of be able right. to be firm when taking on blocks. So I think that – if there's a trade-off, that's maybe where you do reconcile that. Sure, and it, that kind of gets into some of the philosophical dilemmas that you get with guys that are plugs versus guys that are scrapes, right? So Devin Bush, for me, as, as you said, Joe, when he's scraping laterally and forced to address contact, it's game over. Like he doesn't get off of those blocks particularly well because he doesn't have the separation skills to press and create space to then work his hips across the face of a blocker and continue into the boundary in pursuit of the football. But when he gets in tight, 
he really does a nice job of kind of squatting his hips and exploding through that contact. And then he doesn't have to create quite as much space for himself because it plays in him, into his strengths as a leverage player, where when you're trying to scrape laterally, struggles with the, the separation that would allow him to just continue to work without giving up tons of ground. So that's in answer of my own question, how I reconcile, because I agree with you. I think he's more of Mike than anything else. I think he's a sideline to sideline type player. Uh, I love his, his range is spectacular. He's got a, a really good burst and first step and he beats a lot of guys to spots, but when he's working speed concepts outside and you know, the, the play side tackler guard climbs the ladder to get in his way, he's sometimes bubbling five yards to give up space just to be able to get over top of that block. So I think if you're going to play him in that situation, and this is why I had made some mention of personnel groupings, I would like a defensive line group that shows ability to reset the line of scrimmage. Because if you get soft interiors, you're going to allow a lot of interior offensive linemen the ability to get up on top of his toes very quickly and it will eliminate him. So he's not a, a universal player. He's not a transcendent player by any means. But if you've got stout guys on the interior that can guarantee that as he's making that read, he's going to be able to get those first two steps clean and not have to deal with trash. And if they're going to run right at him, he can hold himself up quite well. As you said, this is this is one of those guys that can be a plug-and-play starter at the NFL level. One other area of his game I think we got to mention is I think he's a really good blitzer. I mean, obviously that first step quickness that you had mentioned, but also like he's super flexible in his ability to work around blocks and corner actually, like in, in tilt around those edges. I think that really shows up when he's uh, tasked in, you know, with a running back that's stepping up on him or if he's going to beat an interior offensive lineman just kind of blitzing from the second level. Like he does that really well. And it's evidenced by his, I mean, he's actually got some good sack numbers. He's got 10 sacks over the last couple of years. And uh, I think that could be another part of, of where he wins at the next level. Shall we talk about Riley Ridley? Yeah, Georgia wide receiver, led the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. <laughs> you laughing there? Yeah, is that a uh, market share? <laughs> the market comment? share people don't like the, like don't like the numbers, but all I can tell you is that he led the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns last season, and I think that's pretty impressive. So, so um, <clears throat> I guess I'll I'll kind of set the tone here. Um, I, what I really like about him is I, I think he is a good route runner, despite not necessarily running a lot of different routes. Uh, I think he's got really good hands. Uh, ball skills are really good. There are some moments where he wins in the air and comes down with catches that are very acrobatic, that require a lot of concentration, good body control in those situations and along the along the sideline. Um, I really like his ability to create after the catch, despite running routes that don't necessarily lend themselves to favorable situations creating after the catch a lot of hitches and curls and he's still able to to kind of get yards after he catches the football which is pretty impressive to me really like how he establishes frame at the catch point um and i just think there's three level upside to him in terms of how he can help an nfl offense so um i'm pretty high on riley ridley i think he's one of the better five receivers in this rising class and um i don't know what you think about riley ridley so i'm ready to find out Yes, yeah, uh, I left this to be a bit of a mystery, right? Yeah, I literally I, have no idea what's going to happen right now. I, I did Riley release tape yesterday, and I'll say this. Uh, Jake Fromm 
if you're tanking next year for Jake Fromm, I need you to reassess uh, your life and your circumstances in which you've come to this conclusion. Very disappointed watching Jake Fromm, Joe. Uh, Things that are not it, at this point, I would include Jake Fromm in that classification. He's not it. Uh, And it's not even necessarily the fact that he misses like wide open receivers 15 yards downfield, (laughs) which he does. But it's also the fact that there's reps where the guy's open and he still prefers to be a check down Charlie. And that's like a big buzzkill for me, right? Like I'm looking for Riley Ridley and there is this big debate. And, you know, I'd pose the question, does market share account for your quarterback being booty cheeks? And some people were like, uh, yeah, that's exactly the point because it correlates your production to the total output of your offense. But it doesn't account for if the quarterback, who everyone else's production is dependent on, is making the right decisions on a play-by-play basis. And there were plays that I felt from left meat on the bone for Riley Ridley. Is his production... Something of a concern, yeah, because you watch him against LSU, and I didn't think he stacked Greedy Williams particularly well throughout a vast majority of that game until he caught two big chunk plays in the the fourth quarter of that football game when Georgia was down big, including a back shoulder throw and then a post that was on soft coverage, and he ran it in for a touchdown. But I do like a lot of what Riley Ridley brings to the table as far as he doesn't run the most diverse route tree. But he creates separation on his breaks. I want to see him get better at the line of scrimmage. I have concerns about how well he releases versus press coverage. But when he's on his route stems, I love a lot of what he brings to the table as far as keeping his pads down so he's selling a vertical component and then he decelerates and changes directions extremely well. I love the way he addresses the football in the air. He works back to the football. He extends for the ball. He has soft hands. He's not going to let somebody's flashing hand in his general vicinity distract him from catching the nose of the football. And I think he's a really good athlete. So I think there's a lot to like. Do I think he's a top five receiver in this year's class? He has the potential to be. This is NFL Under Review. Local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. He could, score, he could score in the top five wide receivers in this year's class for me, but as of right now, he's on the outside looking in. 
what's going to be the qualifiers there? Is it just getting more familiar with the rest of the class? Is it testing? No, oh, it's going to be gonna- testing because because the way that I've shifted my my scoring this year, Joe, which you and I have talked about at length, but I haven't really necessarily talked about at length with people who are listening. If you're familiar with the way that I've scored prospects in the past, I grade you on your tape, and then I weight that tape versus several metrics that include uh, size-adjusted athleticism and production and experience, and that's changed this year. So when I grade your tape, if you have a first-round tape grade, you're going to have a first-round grade. If you have a second-round tape grade, you're going to have a second-round grade. But then I put you in a group with all the other players at your position that scored with the same film grade as you, and then I use those metrics that I was previously using to weigh the film grade, and I'm using them as tiebreakers for the film buckets. So like, if he goes out and he has really, really good athletic testing – then yeah, I mean, he might push himself up past A.J. Brown, who's in the same bucket as him, and get a top five wide receiver oh, spot this year's class. Okay. So we just we see that we see this receiver class really different. I think that's one thing that as we continue these discussions is that we just gonna we're gonna have it different. Because for me, like I couldn't imagine him not being three or four for me. Well, I would he's, be very he's, He's going to be four through six or seven for me as things stand right now. So you you feel like your top three are pretty set? Yes. And okay, it doesn't. You, it, my top four are pretty set. Really? Yeah. It's DK, Nikhil, Hollywood Brown, and Kelvin Harmon are the top four. Oh man. Okay. We're going to have big differences on Nikhil Harry, but. That'll be for another show, though. Yeah, we should. We should. We should get. <laughs> we have a few guys. That's going to be one of them. He's going to be my. He, right now, he's my wide receiver five. Oh, and Nikhil, how how far can you see him going? Down. Like, oh, I think his floor is probably seven. Okay, so you don't dislike him. You're just not really high. No, yeah, high. like you have him too. And I think I have. To me, I have like when I look at this wide receiver class right now, based on the information I know right now. DK and Calvin Harmon are like the two guys that I really, really, really like. Right. And then, and then I think there's a drop off to like this Riley Ridley, Debo Samuel tier. And then I need to learn more. I need to do Marquise Brown's film. I need to do. I forgot about Debo. Debo's going to be in that same bucket as Riley and AJ Brown and AJ Brown. And who else is in that bucket? You have Arcega Whiteside pretty high up on your list. I have right not now. scored Arcega Whiteside. Okay. I haven't done his formal so, film in, though. So he's slotting. He's just slotting there at wide receiver five, but you need to learn more there. Right. That's I the same. Do, do, do more. I, I'm in the same boat with with Brown and and uh in Arcega Whiteside. Marquise Brown. So I think you'll like Hollywood. Uh, the the durability is terrifying. <laughs> but you watch him run routes, he might be the best route runner in the class. Really? Hollywood? Yes. He is not just a straight line guy. He's going to get pegged that way, but he's really, really good. I'm anxious to watch him. Uh, it's funny you said best ride, route, route run of the class because DJ, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL.com, he says Riley Ridley's the best route, uh, route runner in the class, which I thought was a funky comment, to be honest with you. Yeah, because I, I, like I said, I didn't necessarily see him run like – a ton of different routes. The yeah, I mean, it was a lot of goes in breaking patterns, 
uh, and post routes. Yeah. I mean, that was really, he works back the line of scrimmage on some stop patterns and stuff, but like he's not running three layered routes where he's like Dino routes and stuff like that. He, he's not doing any of that. Yeah. yeah. What's his best quality for you? Uh, I have down ball skills and I have hands. So we're, and, and again, it comes back to what I had initially mentioned the way he addresses the football in the air that extends to, uh, contested catches as well. I uh, really what, like those, those qualities. What do you have for his worst trait? Release versus press coverage. <laughs> My worst trait is I have a release and then parentheses I had needs to evolve. So we're seeing eye to eye there. So. Yeah. And uh, do you have like a range on him? What, what you expect he finishes on your board as we wrap up here? Oh, he'll have a two unless he just bombs testing, which I don't think he will. He'll be a two for me. Like a high two or a two? Because I have a two on, on Riley as well. Probably a mid two. Okay, so we're going to volume exactly the same. Our perceptions around the wide receiver class and the discrepancies really come down to how we view other players, which is interesting. Yes, yes. Yeah, That's cool. We, yeah. We could see eye to eye on one guy, but then <laughs> the others, we we have different valuations of them. Yeah, we will bring fisticuffs to the dudes. So make sure you come back and check it out. Uh, Joe is at the Joe Marino on Twitter. I'm at grinding the tape tomorrow's takes on takes Tuesday. So if you have hot takes, you would like to get into us, uh, please do not hesitate. You can tweet us with the hashtag takes on takes and your hot take. Joe, we have a lot of good takes. Yeah. My producer informed me of this before we went on the air that we have a lot of good hot takes already for takes on takes. So uh, make sure you get them in. And if we don't get them tomorrow, then we'll try and get them next week. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to draft dudes podcast. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.